Good morning, afternoon, evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is David of the Fandible.com role-playing podcast, bringing you another Geeky Topics roundtable discussion. I am joined with my usual cadre of co-hosts, Angela, Billy, Daniel, and Jesus, here to talk about the pressing ish in issues of the day. So, how's everybody doing? Good. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, BBC. <laughs> this is the BBC World Podcast News Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, man. How crazy would it be if we just did all awful accents the entire time? That would be nuts. That would be crazy. That would be, you know, it would be even crazier if, if we all uh, like wrote down on a slip of paper a country, put it into a cup, and then we randomly pulled those pace, pieces of paper. So we had to do those accents throughout the entire GTA. Especially for countries we know nothing about, so we just have to make up accents. Exactly. Estonia. Hello, I'm Estonia. It's me, Estonia. Estonian, you just do Fred Flintstone. <laughs> We're like, we, we can't tell if that's right or not. Yeah, no. we'll make a deal with the cult of uh, tea and dice. If you guys oh. do an American accent for an entire podcast, we will do a British accent, all of us, for an entire and GTRT. We'll fans I, across the aisle. Why would they ever take us up on that? Because I want to hear their American accent. <laughs> oh, come on. I really want to hear them all do cowboys. Oh, yes. That would be amazing. That's exactly what they would do. Like, there's yeah. a video going around on Facebook today that's a tour of the UK through accents. And it's a guy, he's, he's got like a Google map animation that goes to various points throughout the UK. And he just seamlessly goes from London to Lancashire to Wales to Northern Ireland to Dublin to Scot- a couple places in Scotland. Do you, do you think we can get him on the show? It'd be awesome. All right. Um, well, so we, we do have Kevin Smith coming today. No. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Is he really known for his accents, though? Kevin! <laughs> can you do accents? Kevin, we'll get to you in a second. No, yeah. let, no let's have yeah. him actually answer that question when we bring him, because that yeah. gives yeah. us something to talk no, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, just, he just got in. Yeah. You know, he drove a long way yeah, to be just here. He's just honestly so. standing there having a drink. Yeah, yeah, so we'll get to him. Stare, we'll get to him. Uh, we'll have time. Yeah, we always have time. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me here this evening. I want to kick things off with a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is punk lifestyle. Obviously, uh, we are all punk as punk can oh, be. We are, made this fucking mess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, we are, are all, as you can tell, rebels. Yeah, we are all punk yeah. as fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And with that in mind, uh, we play games that have this, uh, this attachment punk to the world, to the word. Uh, namely, uh, in, uh, White Wolf, Old White Wolf, they deemed their vampire the role playing game. And I think the new vampire game, though. Requiem? Uh, uh Requiem, yeah. Or new, Jesus. Yeah, well, I'm dating myself with that one. Yeah. They're current and they're antiquated, uh, vampire games. Uh, the antiquated games, which actually is, is, is pointing now because they're going to do uh, going to do a new version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the uh, fourth edition masquerade. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's gothic punk role playing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a game that's near and dear to my heart is Shadowrun, and that is cyberpunk fantasy role playing. Uh, and so, what I wanted to open up with is this idea of of punk as a as an attachment. A literary definition is effectively a punk denotes a social or cultural upheaval. Or change or so, uh, challenge to the status quo. So there's something inherently different about the social um, or political interactions within a game that attaches punk to it. So the question that I wanted to to ask you guys is: Where is the actual punk in these games like Vampire uh, 4.0 or in Shadowrun? 
is there a definitive point in which you can say, oh, this is where the, 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 the social change, the shift between the reality, uh, our reality, and the role playing is, is discernible? Because I've played a lot of vampire. And if you asked me what the punk meant for the first like 10 to 15 years of me playing it, I'd be like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, I play a bruja. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, and with Shadowrun, like, I would be like, oh, I don't know. I played a dude with spikes on his collar that shoot, shoots a gun with knives. You know, like, it's kind of, is it buried in the lead? Is there a definitive way to tell? It's supposed to be. I can speak for at least uh, World of Darkness, uh, old World of Darkness. Uh, their, their whole definition of, of the punk can, part. Can we call it vintage World of Darkness? Yeah, vintage World of Darkness. Thank you. Uh, Brooklyn creamed their pants at that mm-hmm. moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Brooklyn, listen to our podcast. Send us a... Uh... Yeah, we, we have some uh, vintage artisan uh, uh, role play for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Locally uh, made. <laughs> locally, locally made, locally resourced. Organic. Oh, organic. I love I love role playing that's made right here in Brooklyn. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but they're you know the, the gothic punk. They call it gothic punk, but if you read the books, they specifically say like, two separate things. Uh, you know, there's there's sort of they're supposed to be sort of that gothic dark feel. The punk is supposed to be in the sense that the world darkness is this world that's in constant decay. It's 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 a world that it's not getting better, and so you your options are to either Go with the gothic aspect and basically embrace this darkness, or go with the punk aspect and like rebel against it, uh, sort of like just fight the night. Mm-hmm. And that that was their original intention of that sort of the gothic punk thing that you were supposed to be, you know, the streets were supposed to be broken, the streets were supposed to be wild, filled with graffiti, um, and you're supposed to be in, in this in this sort of like. You know, rebellion. You, you, especially as, as starting players, as as neonates or as anything else, you're supposed to be this this rebellious uh, uh, influence in the world. Definition of neonate for uh, neonate, basically starting starting vampire, young new vampires, vampire, yeah, yeah. young vampires. Um, and 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 uh, like you told me before the show started, like, how does that apply to say werewolf? Same thing. Like you, as as a sort of starting werewolf, I don't I don't remember the the name for a you know, for a, a young werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> as, as a starting level corgi, uh, yeah. I would play the shit out of that. Where corgi? Oh, Where corgis? Oh my god! Yeah, corgi. Um, the awakening is really awesome. Wait, yeah. no, no, because now, because eventually you get into furry territory. You know what? Oh. The, the thing about corgis, though, you, the battles would just be like puppy dog eyes. Like who would like win that out? Yeah. Do you know that in the in the in the modern world of darkness, uh, changing breeds, there's a specific merit called aw. <laughs> it is literally a merit. It's like a like a four point merit. Even it's like it's a expensive merit. Well, it's very powerful. It know? actually yeah. is. It actually is. It works. You just basically put on those puppy dog eyes, and people go like, "Aw." Even demons and, like, "I can't." Yeah. Um, but yeah, even even uh, with werewolf, you are the new generation. You're supposed to be these like young upstarts, and. All these games have, you know, incredibly long histories and incredibly long litanies of just everything that's happened for thousands of years, the battle that's been going on. You're supposed to be these new upstarts that are coming in, look at the shit world that they've been thrown into, are being told it's all hopeless, it's all, it's all doomed. And your reaction should be punk. <laughs> should be going yeah. like, well, you know what? Middle fingers to everything. Let's do this. I also think so. That, that's that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. No, was you know that what, what they achieved? Don't know. I think that's actually a really great way of looking at it, Daniel. But I guess I would explore a little bit deeper with the uh, the punk aspect, as in 
kind of giving the the middle finger to let me see if I can make the sense. I'm kind of tired. The idea of like reality itself. I mean, you are branching. I mean, we all live this life. And I guess you could say that about all role playing game. But for vampires, World of Darkness is a little different. We live this life of moving nine to five, having a family, going to bed by nine o'clock or ten o'clock, and waking up the repeated in the morning. I think what World of Darkness, its main goal is to rebel against that status quo mm-hmm. and allow you to not only explore, like, you know, the, breaking that status quo by being, you know, by, by flipping your middle fingers to all the darkness around you and changing that, but also allows you to explore a little bit more of um, the change that's happening within yourself. Every World of Darkness talks about some sort of... Uh, balancing act i mean mm-hmm. with vampires it is this ma- not only this the masquerade but also this internal beast mm-hmm. and the further you go you know into this darkness the more you have to fight back but also explore what is not the status quo you know you become a kind of this monster that that is not human and that's definitely for um for world of dark for uh, vampires, I, I never played werewolf, but I know they have a balancing act where you're trying not to fall to the crazy, insatiable rage. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. To, you basically have the wild, which is the the uh, the inhuman anger and the the primal bestial nature inside yourself, which is kind of like vampire. And uh, mm-hmm. and then you also have uh, you have three aspects. You have the wild. You have the weaver. And this is old werewolf, so yeah. so yeah. please. Uh, you know, actually, no, fuck it. Comment. Comment on how wrong I am, you guys. Um, <laughs> but you have the Weaver, which is control and static existence uh, and and monotony. And then you have the Worm, which is insanity and corrosiveness right. and de- decay. And I think the biggest thing, uh, the biggest World of Darkness game, which I would love to play, I don't know if it's a game for Fandable or, honestly, I don't know if this game could possibly be played well. I have not heard it done well. I always see people... It it, it, it turns into something that's not what I want. Uh, I always loved Demon the Fallen. I think it's one of the best written and beautiful stories that could be told. Where it's... It's these... It's kind of a, a dual... A dual experience of your host and your angel both rebellion, rebelling against... Uh, the difficulties of their life and the difficulties of their past and having to try to balance that torment that is constantly trying to, to push them into insanity, uh, with the, the torment of trying to keep them mundane. I think it's a, I, I think the world of darkness, its punk aspect comes from you fighting the change within yourself, but not only that, but you also taking the time to dip your toe into that chaos. Jesus, that's actually really beautiful, Billy. Mm-hmm. I gotta you. say, like, Please write a blog post about that. I would yeah. love to. I would love to have dissenting opinions about that um, because you, you you effectively you brought a new aspect of it that I I never even considered, um, which is very very cool. I like that. Of course, you would know you have a library of books to support your thesis. And to, just to point <laughs> out for the Demon of the Fallen, I think Demon of the Fallen could be played well with maybe a game with. One or two people, uh, one or two players and a, a GM. I think when you have too many, yeah. I think when there's too many, it, it becomes kind of just a battle, uh, a fighting sim where I think the beauty of it, um, with Demon the Fallen is the fact that you are dealing, you know, I loved about the Demon the Fallen is you, your characters didn't rebel against God because you were angry or pissed. I guess you could have, but most mm-hmm. of them loved 
and it was kind of that that spurring love and angels never knowing how to really react to a rejection of love. Interesting. Is it, see, I would... And it's beautiful, this, the fact that that can turn them into monsters, but it's also kind of beautiful that they are creatures made of love and there is that redemption. I, I don't know. I think it's the most beautiful story that could be told, but I don't. I think that uh, it, it can't be told. In I, this medium. In this medium. How about I, that? Maybe I a totally novel. understand. Yeah, I think that you might actually really like uh, a Hunter the Reckoning game hmm. as well, I, I because that is so. a punk game as fuck in this context, yeah, yeah. because effectively you are shown the existence of... Basically, imagine if you are given the merit... Uh, genre savvy <laughs> and you're just like hey you're a person and now you basically get to flip through every book of every role playing game in this genre period and this all comes crashing down on you all at once what do you do how do you view yourself how do you view life how do you view how you respond to this and I've only taken the easy way out and I've always played really uh, aggressive characters. Yeah? Except Hunter the Reckoning, yeah, you can do sort of like get given like, you know, like here, you can flip through the books. Except they're all mashed up and missing pages. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So it's basically, no, it would be like uh, you can look at this Wikipedia article, but you can only look at it for thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but isn't the issue with the game basically for Hunter when you get chosen, when you get when you have the flash of insight into oh, yeah. there's monsters here. Yeah. You get to decide like if you attack or not. If you don't attack, you don't get the special ability. Yes, there are mom- Yes, there is a moment where you can choose to not do anything, and there's even a word for that. But no, it's but- not so much attack. You can choose to act or oh, not okay. to act. Yeah. But the way you act, the way you react. Uh, to this revelation determines what kind of hunter you are or whether okay. you will be yeah. a hunter at all. But the thing is, not you every... have to react. If yeah, you, you do have to, to react. To see, but you can react, you can react by, yeah, okay, I'm going to kill this thing, yeah. or you can react by, and then there is a specific type of hunter. I'm going to pull a hunter. fire alarm. You know, yeah, by, exactly. There, and there is a specific type, even a specific type of hunter, that their thing is like, save the monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or try and rehabilitate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, depending on your okay. reaction, but you do react to the situation... If you simply go like, no, I cannot deal with this, then you go back to sort of go back to your old life. Mm-hmm. But if 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 you react, if you go like, this is a thing that's happening, and here's what I'm going to do about it, whether that be stab it in the face or just save as many people as I can. But then then that's what makes you like, okay. chosen. I would argue, even not doing anything in this situation for this this genre is still potentially punk. Yeah. It is still potentially punk because you are you are thrust into a genre that says you must act and you are saying, no, I will not, based on status quo, based on fear. You are still now within the, the realm of a role-playing game. You are the outsider who decided to go against the status quo of act. And so, I, I, and like, yes, we're getting into like the weird philosophy of one word punk, uh, which I will debate constantly. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that that in itself is is somewhat punk. But I, I, I'm sorry. I think the important thing for punk, for me at least, and I, I know we, I want to hear Angela's and I want to hear Angela's and Jesus's uh, statement on this. But I think the important thing about punk is it's not just going against status quo, like in your example of saying like, okay, I'm just going to ignore you. I think what makes something punk is not just kind of ignoring something. I think it's actually kind of like spitting in the face of the status quo. The idea of not only am I going to do not only I'm going to do the opposite of what you want, I'm going to make you disgusted by what I do. I'm mm-hmm. going to, I am going to force you or I'm, by by you observing what I'm doing to look outside 
of what you thought was proper. Interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. Hmm. Punk, punk needs the middle finger. Yeah. It, it's not punk if you're not giving somebody a middle finger. That's, like that's, like that's the storyteller, like yeah. we do all the time. Primarily the storyteller, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus and then Angela, and then Angela, I have a follow-up question for you. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, no, I said what I wanted to say. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And then let's hear Angela. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm so not punk. So I've got like nothing. Like honestly, I'd never even heard White Wolf refer or Old World, Vintage World of Darkness. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> referred to as as Gothic punk. Um, but what Billy was saying absolutely was was very very beautiful and and a whole new way of, of looking at that that setting and, and that system uh, system for me. So mm-hmm. follow up question. So the follow up question is actually uh, I believe that you can shed light because you have a background in the literary setting that most represents the concept of what we're talking about as punk, and that is young adult literature. Huh. Because it is actually a, 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 dis, a distillation of this feeling of coming of age, of railing against the, the authority or of the system. So, for instance, in games like... Um, uh, uh, yeah, may the odds always be with you. What's that game? Oh, yeah. uh, Hunger Games. What's that game? <laughs> like, it's not a game. It's a way of life. Yeah, okay. So the Hunger Games, like... Uh, so there are these books, even like Harry Potter and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like you have characters whose entire arcs are based around not accepting mm-hmm. the established method of being. Uh, let me just bump him here real quick and say that's the first time I ever heard of Harry Potter referred to as punk. punk. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to start it. Quidditch punk. Right <laughs> that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So anyways, Potter punk. Um, is, uh, and, and, uh, the, and the Hunger Games, things like that are mm-hmm. based around a character railing against society. Um, could you possibly enlighten or, uh, uh, elaborate on what you think draws readers to that, uh, to that without taking up the entire GTRT? <laughs> it's like, do you know what I wrote my senior thesis on? <laughs> no, yes, I do. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm tying this in because, I think, okay, here's what I think is a cardinal sin of role players. It is to play a game like Vampire. It is to play a game like White Wolf or that, that Onyx Path releases. It's to play a game like a sci-fi game like The Strange, whatever, and not really appreciate the source material. Mm-hmm. And I, pl- and I, and I, and I was guilty of that for many years of my life, and it really was a negative. You know, I didn't, I didn't really get to grasp as much from the storylines as I could have. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, could you possibly summarize uh, what what you think draws readers uh, and people to that idea? Uh, well, I had uh, an author describe uh, this was when Hunger Games and other uh, uh, dystopian novels were really taking off in YA literature. And the question um, that was posed to this author was, "What? Why now? Why is this becoming such a huge thing in YA literature?" And this author was Justine Larbalestier who said it's because high school is a dystopia yeah. where your life is regimented by bells and you have to do exactly what the authority figures say. There's no room for dissent in most high schools. So people are drawn to this literature that is specifically about a dystopia writ large because it's like, oh, I want to be like Katniss. I want to be able to go to my principal and say, fuck you, dude, your rules are... are, are put there for are pointless and, and you're just doing it because you're a petty tyrant. So it's very much about being at an age where your life 
is totally controlled by other people and you're finally becoming cognizant of that fact because when you're a child your life is controlled by other people but you don't recognize it it's like you don't know of anything else and you can't even uh, imagine anything else and a lot of us come to a hobby like role playing when we're teenagers ourselves and are just beginning to realize hey there's a much bigger world out there there's I'm, I'm practically an adult why can't I be an adult I feel like an adult already I should be able to make decisions for myself so reading young adult literature playing role-playing games that's a way for a young person to exercise a level of autonomy that they do not have in their everyday life yeah uh that's pretty intense huh? <laughs> that's actually really beautiful yeah. as well i feel like i'm really break out the dick jokes okay. <laughs> exactly Penis. i feel like i need and to it's like it's very obvious in a in, in very fantastical role-playing games in stories like the hunger games because those are such a, they're such exaggerated settings um you know in real life we do not have a president snow yet um he's going to be president trump Yes. <laughs> in a year and a half. And he will be the classiest, <laughs> most oppressive, authoritarian person you could ever meet. He's the president ever we meet. need. You I will get a gilded yeah. cage the likes of which you have never seen. And I think, I think with with young adults, why, why it's so easy to get into this young uh, to understand why a young person would rebel. We all remember being 16 and thinking everybody was stupid around us. I mean, I think... Every well, they si- were. I mean, I think every 16-year-old <laughs> is the... Uh, would consider the... Uh, would be... They think they're the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. I mean, every 16-year-old is basically, you know, uh, rules are ridiculous. Why do we have this? They don't want to listen. But and I think that's why it's it's kind of always hard when you have – you take a concept of a young adult novel and you move it to, like, adults. Like, these are adults dealing with this because there's always has to be a kind of a phrase – a phase of deprogramming. Why – you know – Let's take uh, End of the World, just really quickly, one of our campaigns, uh, with zo- when we're playing zombies. Our characters, in the very beginning of that game, what do they complain about? They're not complaining about the disease of the world or hunger in Africa. They're complaining about how hard it is work is. Oh my god, I, uh, Lando, Princess Lando doesn't have her little booties. Your character's dog. Yeah, our character's dog. You know, what beer we want. You know, what are we posting on Twitter? Who's going to have the most, uh, you know, likes on Twitter compared to the others? And it takes that level of deprogramming us to get us back to human. And I think that's what kind of what uh, a young adult pretty much starts out saying, like, uh, during this age, people either conform mm-hmm. or they fight back. And those who conform, they need to be—they need to be reminded of what it is to be human, because you forget that once you reach society, because you're following their rules. Mm-hmm. Where young adults, these heroines and these heroes, they don't ever get to that point where they're kind of programmed to think this way. They are fighting against it. So, although I do want to say that my favorite, my favorite young adult characters are actually the ones that have been programmed, and uh-huh. they have to, and you see them learning the truth. Because Katniss in the Hunger Games, she knows from the start that life sucks. Right. She doesn't know how she's going to really fight against it. Her original rebellion is very small. It's things like I'm not going to have kids, so I can never be controlled by the state. And then it becomes she becomes the figurehead of this huge rebellion. If you look at a series like Uglies by Scott Westerfeld, that character, Tally Youngblood, has bought in hook, line, and sinker. Yep. 
the government knows everything. They're 100% right. I can't wait to be a grown-up and join their ranks. And then throughout the series, you see her learning, oh, no, there's just layers upon layers of horrors here, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a much more dynamic story in many ways. It's interesting because um, when The Matrix came out, what, my favorite film, I saw it 12 times in theaters, and uh, anyone who disagrees can fuck themselves. How many did you bring to that? <laughs> oh! <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, high five. Oh, Jesus. Is this entire GTRT you two just falling in love with each other again? Like, a sideburn from that. Yeah. (laughs) Splash damage from the burn. All right. Simmer down. Goddamn kids on your first date. All right. Uh, So anyways. um, No, but when I watched The Matrix, I noted that it was kind of weird that, well, it was just like, um, why is the protagonist the only white one? And somebody said, like, well, beyond Neo just being the only white one, it actually makes sense that all the other characters are minorities. And I didn't understand. And they said, because, because by, well, honestly, what other group would be most likely to be like, no, this cannot be the way it fucking is. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, and Neo so and like Trinity, Trinity looks like a fucking mirror image of, of uh, Neo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she is she is in herself a minority. White and people would, are the minority yeah. in the future. And I would say like that's a storytelling element to basically make sure everybody uh, who's wa- wants to watch the show. It, that's more of a marketing ploy of mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, we want to, you know, minorities would definitely I think feel this can't be real, uh, but we do need to get people to watch this movie, so we have to have a white woman and a white guy to, yeah. uh, to play the main. Yeah, and you're, I will say, I do not have it worse than the world, but white ladies got problems, too. <laughs> oh, not, 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 saying, <laughs> not saying that you don't. I'm just saying that this person posited that a dropped storyline effectively for The Matrix, for the cyberpunk movie, was the fact that like it is easier to recruit from groups that would have more of a disbelief, a, a cynicism oh. about the world than people who are easily in power yeah. because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at it, who awesome. betrays them to go back to the Matrix? Cypher. Yep. The only other white dude. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it, it's never brought up, and I th- whatever, the you know the heretical films were, were garbage. They, I don't know what film you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so to follow, to follow up, though, with this punk question, mm-hmm. um, there is one other punk game that we played that no one here has brought up. And that is Steampunk and Unhallowed Metropolis. Now... And Shadowrun, which is cyberpunk. Yeah, but I feel like Shadowrun is, like, pretty on the nose, at least the way I run. That's true. It is pretty on the nose of, like, everybody's fucking, like... Every character has, like, a piercing of something. There's really no... Shadowrun really doesn't have a way to play the corporate stooge. Yeah, and even if you could play the corporate stooge, it's in such stark contrast with... I feel like the punk aspect is overridden a little by the fantasy aspect. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and but, so, but steampunk. Yes. Yeah, so, so steampunk. And also, because I think that the steampunk thing is a little bit more compelling. Um, where is the punk in Unhallowed Metropolis? Because, and I say, that, and, I, and I'll, I genuinely ask this, we've played many years of this game, mm-hmm. and we've only given passing reference to the social differences. We've, we've focused on the social stagnation, and that is Victorianism and, and all of the, uh, and all of the social mores and norms that come with it. And we've had maybe one game that has to do with the rebellion. So where is the punk here? I would argue science. 
the, the yep. scientific desire, but it's very specific. Mm -hmm. It's only in the in increasing longevity. Well, here's here's the thing, and just and this is purely my opinion. Uh, so take it. So as, it's wrong. Yeah, oh, exactly. uh, I'm sorry. So let me, let me jump that. in real quick. Yeah. Listeners, if you don't understand what we're talking about, but you would like to purchase what on Hell Metropolis is, you can use our Amazon site, <laughs> our our Amazon link, in order to get it. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so again, purely my opinion, but I'm not sure. And uh, where, where to go with this? Steampunk. I have issues with that word. <laughs> let's, let's start with that. Okay. okay. See, I would okay. say it's more diesel. Yeah, first oh, of all, yeah. what? How many? Okay, go yeah. and say yeah, it's diesel punk at all. Really? Uh, whichever doesn't. one it is. Point is, <laughs> I have is issues. Diesel? I have issues with with just the appropriation of the word punk. Let's start with oh, that. Okay. okay, there's there's a little bit too much of like just calling it whatever. Punk. You know, yeah. Yeah. Put some gears punk. on it, and it's punk. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's become a descriptor of a specific visual style. Yes. that's what steampunk has become. I don't know how much of it. Really has to do with any any kind of punk aesthetic, mm -hmm. so much as it's just it just happens to be a word that has the letters P U N and K at the end. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my problem. There is on how Metropolis steampunk. Yeah, totally is. There's fucking uh, you know uh, the, zeppelins yeah, zeppelins and zeppelins. And, and steam powered machines and all this sort of Victorian uh, mad science. That's all very much part of the steampunk mm -hmm. uh, aesthetic. That said, that's all it is. It's an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I, I. And maybe steampunk, when it started, mm -hmm. was meant to be uh, have part of that social sort of rebellious aspect. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. I wasn't mm -hmm. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I kind of came into steampunk late, but mm -hmm. it it feels like what it is now is merely a description and of I, a visual aesthetic. I, I don't jump in. Think, jump in. I don't think it even is close to being that aesthetic for steampunk. Yeah. Other than, I mean, you could say as. It feels more just like alternate history, alternate uh, history if like Tesla won. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Zeppelins. It's not like, if we were going to play steampunk, and I think there is a way we could play steampunk, but I think you're, you're right, Daniel, when you say steampunk is more of the aesthetic. Yeah. But I think that aesthetic is something that doesn't match up that with, um, with Unhollowed Metropolis. Yeah. When I think steampunk, I think more core to, uh, more cybernetic with with like gears, mm -hmm. more clock punk, I guess you could say. Uh, I I don't see it uh, with, with Unhollowed. I see Unhollowed as an alternate history of Victorian horror, yeah. and I I just don't see that steam as being a huge part because also let's not forget steam's not really that the driving force of the economic system uh, or the the power system of Unhollowed. More of it is coal. Uh, Tesla, gra uh, ga Galvanics. Gal Galvanics. It's a Victoria. It's a Victorian horror of an alternate history. Nothing more. Yeah, and also, oh. like, if you want to focus on the punk aspect, you guys, your characters not, are not necessarily fighting the power. You are part of the power. Yep. You're a noble. You love the power as it stands right yep. now. Yeah, I could see, I could see a punk version of the game, um, that focused on characters, uh, like, especially like Marcus. Yeah. Or like um, members of Red 23 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Red I, 23 would be. But a you good would have one. to say absolutely no aristocrats, probably no mourners, mm -hmm. because mourners come from the, the aristocratic class. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it would have to be all the, the people in the seedy underbelly of the city. You would mostly be playing, uh, probably maybe a doctor 
and you would probably be a uh, maybe a uh, doctor. I think there's a journalist one, and then I think yes, three doctors, yes. journalists, stuff like that. Yes, uh, maybe Undertaker, but even that that seems to be more uh, leaning towards an aristocratic or maintaining the status yes. quo. Yeah, like all the other factions beyond those, like the parapsychologists or even the cyborgs. The are detective all part of- is yeah. wildly like. Nine-tenths of the detective is about being a private detective and not following the law, so mm-hmm. I would definitely put the detective in okay. there. Maybe. I mean, like, you Although, could play it that way, I guess. With the way the story is going, it depends on how you play it. Okay, let me, okay. Uh, let me just jump in here and say where the divide is. Shadowrun is cyberpunk because it takes its technological advancement and its magical advancement, the things that make it unique and distinct from our current actual world, and it says it can improve your station regardless of your station. If you get your fucking legs blown off because of a terrorist attack and you've got the money, you've got new cyber legs, and you can jump to, like, second-story windows, and you can sell that ability to, like, do ne'er-do-well things, and then you can make more money, and you can raise in your status in Shadowrun society, and you can never graduate high school to do it. And, like, that is the punk aspect of Shadowrun, mm-hmm. is that the technological and even magical in, uh, uh, advances can allow you to supersede this crushing corporate environment. The problem with, with Unhell Metropolis is that all of its advancements, the super science, the, the vampirism, you know, the, the, the mourners, all these things that make it a wondrous environment, uh, they basically maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. No yes. one challenges anything. No. In fact, it's built into the aristocrats' uh, character class that you are less questioned by virtue of your of your person. I am more likely. Uh, people actually have to roll if they're under me. I know we don't play it, but if they're if they are under me, like and uh, socially, socially, they have to actually roll in order to have the guts to attack me. Yeah, because they know even pushing me could get them executed. Yeah. I think I think what makes something punk is when the setting can when you can embrace something about the setting that makes you better but discuss society. Or even just to stu- you can embrace a part of the setting to discuss society for your own goals. Like you said, cyberpunk uh, with uh, Shadowrun. You could change yourself with magic, you could change yourself with cybernetics. But you're not doing that to do a go to to do a corporate office. Yeah. You're not getting cyber legs, and you're not getting a cyber hand, or you know, a cannon put in your stomach, uh, <laughs> and you're going to work in at the uh, Piggly Wiggly. Okay. You so that would be a pretty yeah, baller. You are yeah. altering what makes you human in order to supersede it in some way, but that puts you outside the norm. No one wants your daughter. Do you want your daughter to marry a cyberpunk? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's how I view the difference. Where Unhollowed, like I said, it has, I guess, some steam categories. But if we really wanted to play steampunk, we would be playing fucking steampunk. As in, like, someone here would have a fucking cybernetic arm mm-hmm. with gears. Someone, you'll be fighting clockwork soldiers. There would be pirates in the air. And you'd be shooting, like, Railroad spikes at people. God, that sounds awesome. Yeah, actually. that does actually yeah. sound awesome. Jesus, yeah, so but that's not yeah, unhallowed. Yeah, it's yeah, it's basically uh, even that. Case, that's less steampunk and more steam aesthetic, as you already previously mentioned. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like again, for me, the punk aspect. Going back to, to the to earlier, punk aspect has to involve telling society 
to fuck off. Yeah, it has and to involve that. Has and, to be important. And, the, and, and it's the important. St- they say fuck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so they, please sod off. No, that's, you know what? That's not funk enough. It has to be <laughs> fuck off. Sod off is not Wait, good enough. And so- I would also, I also want to say, um, with you know, we're, we're being very insistent about fuck you society, and it should be the society that the society that the work exists in. Mm-hmm. It should not be the fictional society of the story. It should be. There should be a bit of a, a meta story there that's saying the world that we live in. No, fuck you. Because mm-hmm. going back to the young adult example, because this is just the, the language I'm more comfortable speaking in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people uphold Katniss Everdeen, this great, wonderful, progressive heroine, because she goes and does all these great things. At the end of the day, the war that she was fighting was to win the right to get married and have children. How was that progressive mm-hmm. in, in 21st century society? Right. Because that's what happens to Katniss. Jesus is looking like, what? And it's because that's that's Katniss's happy ending. I didn't read the third book, so... Well, you, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, it was for the best, because the last book made me want to throw so, it across the room. So basically, the point was she wanted to get married and have kids. Yes. I think that... I didn't read the book. I read some you, stuff. <laughs> you well, sat I, next to me as I got exactly, increasingly so angry. I feel like it was I read, adorable. It felt more like the... It wasn't just she wanted the right to have a kid... And get married and stuff like that. I think there's a lot more than that. If you, just from hearing it, it felt like she wanted the right not to have to deal with the fact to send your fucking kid uh, to be hunted or be part of a uh, to be a cog that could be so easily removed hmm. in a system. Okay. I think I yes, you could make the argument is she fought she, she her happy ending is to have a kid and be married. I think her happier ending, if you want to get more specific, is to not be so disposable. And to be disposable in such a horrific way. And this is why I didn't like, honestly, watching The Hunger Games. And, you know, it's a great movie. The first one is great. The second film is great, too. But, you know, I watched the first movie. And in the very beginning, when this, like, five-year-old kid is butchered in the first five minutes. Twelve-year-old kid is butchered within the first five minutes of the film. And people are cheering, and it's and, and it really kind of just it made me hate this society because not only was this kid nothing to them, it, he was a he was a he was a glimmer of excitement, and then he was gone forever. And I think that's what Katniss never wanted to be. Some she could die; she didn't care about that. She just didn't want to do it for the fun of somebody else. She wanted to live her life with her choices, and if that's having a kid and getting married awesome and if it's not awesome but the one thing she didn't want to do is die when someone told her to die i've never read the books mm-hmm. so i'm going to stab you so now. i want to say we're moving on so I, well, i'm sorry but i read I, the first book i've never read the books and i just want to say yeah i didn't understand the part with the flying squirrel with the machine gun i just <laughs> didn't and i didn't and that whole thing with the orb that flies into the sky i just I feel like the part where the part where 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 a Chris Pratt yeah yeah a Chris Pratt turns towards a bunch of cardboard cutouts of the Queen of England and says, "I have a certain set of skills." I mean, that entire scene I just didn't understand. And again, I have not read the books, but that entire scene in the books did not make sense to me. Moving on. Trolling my, trolling my counterparts that are nice enough to listen to yep. me and sit down with the GTRT. Uh, I, now I was going to ask: Is there a fantasy punk game? So real quickly, there is a game that we tried to play. What is it called again? Uh, Fair World of Fear. 
Feral to Fear. I don't even remember us trying to play this. Yeah, we, no, we, we tried. Down, we sat down with the the character sheets, and I I even I think I even tweeted. It's like, hey, we're gonna play this, mm-hmm. and then we tried to make characters, and it's like, wait, where's the character creation mm-hmm. rules? This is why we no longer play tweet. Hey, we're gonna play this. Was that games. like when someone wanted to play a witch and someone wanted to play a cook or something like yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. I yes. barely remember that. You could play a cook as a yeah. It was a game about fantasy social revolution. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Uh, that's all I remember. No, it sounded like a great idea. I was like, okay, yeah, this is this this could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we started trying to make yeah. sense of the rules and gave up. Yeah, I have a feeling. Um, and this is also one of the after this happened one or two more times. Um, it's where we instituted the rule of hey, we need to decide on games by Wednesday before yes. we play them, so that we've got a chance to look at rules. Yeah. So that we in cases like this where I bet that it's a wonderful book to sit down and read because it seems like the narrative is really tied into mm-hmm. sharing the rules. So it'd be a great read. But when you're there at the table being like, all right, I need to know how to make my character. Why can't I turn to page 305 mm-hmm. and just see my template? Yeah. Once again, Angela is striking out at the total lack of uh, index. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Right. Cardinal sin. No, seriously. If you're listening and you want our... You want Fandible to review your game? Make sure your index game is on fucking free. If, if we're looking for a fantasy punk game, a game that, like, it's very conscious going against the common tropes of fantasy, uh-huh. of the fantasy world. We were basically wizards are there with magic gods with magic swords, and gods are there to give you powers. The game that goes against those common tropes, and everyone's going to hate me for this, except for you. Dad. Oh my god! If you say Warhammer 40k, I'm going to kill you. If you say Dungeon World, no. If you say Planescape, I'm chucking a dice at you. I'm just going to turn to the left and say Planescape. No. <laughs> Planescape, by its very nature, goes against many of the various various tropes in fantasy. Oh, you mean the trope of logic? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> motherfucker. Oh, we are no, you are not dragging my GTRT okay. down into this, <laughs> <laughs> into this swirling pit of nonsense. I would nonsense. say no to Planescape. Why? Because it sucks. <laughs> Beyond that. Okay, and maybe this is just what I, I, oh, oh. I'm used to. Okay. Are we going to put in the... Are, can we add in a sliver of the Planescape argument <laughs> here? <laughs> but there isn't. At the same time. <laughs> you fuck yourself, exactly. Daniel. Exactly. <laughs> you fuck yourself and unfuck yourself. And I don't know why I'm loving this so much. Like, this honestly, conversation is fantastic. I said everyone except Daniel has become belligerent this time. No, no. no you <laughs> suck up. Well, that's, that's, that, no, because that's, that's, that's you central and, for you. I'm the one that gets wrong. You're all the ones that suck a dick of bags. What you guys have a problem with with infinite borders? Yeah. It makes perfect sense when no. you don't think about it. No, it doesn't. You know what? No. I, I can ruin other games for you which have the same concept. No, Republicans not... like the idea of infinite borders, my face. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? Eh, Planescape. Okay. And I'm a huge fan of Planescape. Okay. I know. I would not say it's oh, the it's the okay. punk version. It's okay. not. It's okay, the Billy punk first, game. then okay. Dan yeah. goes. Uh, I'm going to first say... What we, we, we actually have a fantasy game that we are trying to make punk a little bit. Mm-hmm. My D&D game. Mm. Yeah. No, it's a good point. But that was me aiming towards really? a young adult game where you are a young adult fighting a system. However, I'm going to point out why that is difficult with the D&D rules and probably why it's difficult with the Planescape rules. Starting out in D&D, you're level ones. 
And then level two, shit starts getting crazy. I mean, like, level, you guys went on one adventure, you got to level two, and right now you're you're following your spirit guide yeah. and yep. d- developing mystical powers. Becoming a Jedi, essentially. You yep. are becoming, getting, like, level two powers. You know, Angela's, I mean, like, by level three, Angela's supposed to be, like, some, she could choose between becoming, like, a totem warrior and, like, a shaman. Yep. I mean, uh, D&D and Playscape, it is, you can be an outsider, yes. but you're always so significantly more powerful than the common man. And I think that's kind of important to have uh, when going against the system that you, you don't start as a cog in D&D or a cog in Planescape. You are more powerful than I would say 90% of society. It is the rest that's keeping you down, but you are significantly b- better than so I would say a level one character in a uh, Planescape could go into a small village uh, at level one and probably take over. Wait, couldn't you say the same thing for, say, a Shadowrun character? Couldn't a level one Shadowrun character be better than the usual corporate no, cogs in a sense? No, 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 because we've gotten our, we got our shit kind of kicked by middle management <laughs> during during the massacre before you cast your spell to have that massacre. Yeah, no, it's punk because you have the capacity to do that. But the system has a capacity to respond having acknowledged your ability. And that's Lone Star. The cops show up and you suddenly have cyber legs. They don't go like, ooh, what's that? They're like, cyber legs, dig it. <laughs> like, that is how cyberpunk rolls. Is like, you okay. can break out of the system, but the system does everything it can to make an example of it. Right. Oh. And I think with D&D and I think with Planescape, and again, I don't play a lot of Planescape, Angela, make sure that that. <laughs> no, but from what I, <laughs> from what I remember there are playing, rules. <laughs> from what I remember playing Planescape, you always are starting off as, you're not, and it's, this is weird. I'm sorry. I'm trying to go, I'm not trying to go against what you're saying. It's basically. Are you a cat? (laughs) It's not a person trying to break out of society. It's a person that's never been in that society. You're not a common person who grew up to be a hero when you're playing D and D, and or what it feels like. You are already better than the common person. There is not that learning curve. You're not. You can go in and you're already a badass warrior compared to ninety percent of that village. And then the adventure starts. Mm. And then you're fighting goblins. And then owls. And then level two hits. And then you're already getting those spirit guide animals. You already have Obi-Wan coming to you <laughs> on fucking Hoth. <laughs> and telling you to train. D&D and, and Planescape put you on, put you on the very start of the hero's path, uh, uh, of Joseph Campbell's The Hero of a Thousand Face. Yeah. It is not about you clawing your way from the shit of society. You're already at top of that. And That's, here's, and here's where I come in. Okay. okay. Planescape, I can see it being a little punk. Uh, it is a little punk. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to I D&D, let me tell you about borders of reality. Right. But when it comes yeah. to a D&D world that is severely hardcore punk, Dark Sun. Oh, oh yeah. Dark, yes. Dark Sun. Dark it's Sun. D&D? Yeah. Dark Sun was one of the, uh, back when like, Planescape, Spelljammer, all those came out. Dark Sun was their sort of like dark and gritty version of D&D. Wasn't Dark Sun one of the original like Gygax uh, split? I believe so. And I then think they, you're then right. No, I, I read that. Dark recently. Sun was like was back in the day when yeah. they were just when when they were coming out with uh, Dark Sun and uh, like Grey Castle or something like that. 
Um, Greyhawk? Greyhawk. Yes. Yeah, Greyhawk. Okay. Yeah, Dark Sun was like their de- their newest departure mm-hmm. in like I think the 70s or early 80s. But then, the 80s. but then yeah, but then it got updated in the late I think basically it got re-updated when Planescape and Spelljammer were happening. Yeah. And Dark Sun was this entire world that was effectively dying. The world is shit. The world is going to hell. This planet is going to die. This planet is going to die. And we fucked it. Because we wanted magic. Because we became dragons. And by doing so, we have destroyed this world. Your character classes are gladiator. Not fighter. Gladiator. You are a slave force to fight. If you are any kind of wizard, your magic kills the world. Every time you cast a spell, the things around you die. Plants wither. The earth becomes uh, useless, barren, and insulted. Uh, and you have two. You have two choices as a mage: either a defiler who goes like, "Well, fuck it, that's what I do," or uh, I forget. It's not a protector, but it's, it's basically it's like your magic still kills. But you know how to basically make it so so not all the life is taken out of the land. Isn't but you it, still, it, from what I remember, it's you, you learn how to instead of defiling the land, you defile yourself or something like no, that. No, no, no. You still defile the land. Oh. but you 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 know how to make it so the the, the land isn't completely barren. Okay. But your spells are also less powerful as a result. Uh, your psychics, uh, because it's the only way to raise yourself out of the slums. Um, the land itself, everything wants to kill you. The society is incredibly oppressive, ruled by despotic, uh, dragon kings and, 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 uh, witch kings. Uh, and, and you're, uh, as a player, your only choice is to rise up. Your only choice is to go, no, fuck this and try and make something despite the society that wants you and it's that wants to just keep you down. So if there is a, a game world in D&D that I can say is severely punk and and if you've looked at the book and you've looked at the, the visual aesthetic of it, it's very hardcore I, punk I, I, spikes did. everywhere, mohawks everywhere, shit, shit like that. It's definitely Dark Sun. Honestly, I completely forgot about Dark Sun. You're, you're right. Dark yeah. Sun beats That could the work it. Yeah. That could work it. Yeah. From what you just described, I'm like, that yeah. sounds I think, awesome. I think you would really that enjoy it. That sounds kind of baller. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. baller I, they, They've been like saying that they're going to revamp Dark Sun for 5th edition. Uh, I don't know how official those plans are. I keep hearing about it. I really hope they do. And I really hope they do a really good job of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, my only fear is that they do it 5th edition. Is I'm afraid that they're going to fucking make it. Everybody has magic! Kind of like what they did. I love 5th edition yeah. rules, but I thought they made the character classes... Well, here's the thing. Like, there's no really... Like, the the only, progression seems a little bit just Well, here's the thing. The, the only problem you might have with Dark Sun is Dark Sun was a world that was so deadly that you had to start at third level. The game did not allow you to start at first and second. It didn't even give you rules. Why didn't it just make first and second like, as powerful because as it, Because I wanted to keep the D&D. Okay. But, but the game by itself, you couldn't. Because you, as a first level character, you were going to die. Every monster, everything about this land was going to break you. It was assumed that you got to third level by shucking corn and like plowing fields. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Third level because is exactly. corn, by the way, fucking monstrous. Exactly. In Dark that, no, but really, literally, that's the thing. Whereas in other D and D games, uh, your average merchant is assumed to be a, a zero level, useless, you know, one hit point character. No, the average person walking down the street is like first or second level. The, the average person on the street has to be that tough. Just to survive in this world. The average Dark Sun peasant 
taken to any other D&D world would devastate it. They would rule over the town they were dropped yeah, in. This, this yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah, but be, yeah. I, I think you would really enjoy it. So I, I'm keeping an eye out on, on the on the 5th edition uh, revamp. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And you know what? If they never do it, uh, it might be something to do. Just do use the old rules. Because, again, it, 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 it's still a fantasy game, but it... it, it, it it twisted a lot of the classic uh, sort of fantasy things Didn't uh, they make around a it. Version for fourth edition, I think, at some point. Uh, I, I think they. Sub- I think they were going to. Since since we all tr- since almost everybody wanted to avoid fourth edition, I didn't keep a very close eye on all it. All right. So. All right. Well, shit. <laughs> I, 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 Angela, do you have any fourth edition uh, uh, fantasy? Um, I'm sorry, fantasy punk. Kill it with fire. <laughs> okay. Kill It With Fire. I love that album by Megadeth. Uh, so, moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, Deadpool is a movie that's coming out uh, with Ryan Reynolds, and I'm super excited because it is the part that he was born for. If Robert Downey Jr. was born for Iron Man, then Ryan Reynolds was clearly born for Deadpool, and we've been clamoring for this, Deadpool fans have been clamoring for this for years. So, we got our wish, finally. Deadpool is going to be rated R, I believe. R, yes. yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be rated R. It's, I think, the first uh, superhero movie that's going to be rated. Was it, was R. it the Punisher? Oh no, you're right. The Punisher. Punisher was, I think was yeah, it Punisher Blade Ward, also rated, or was it PG? No, Blade was PG thirteen, I believe. Uh, maybe. By the way, it's it's certainly the first in this this new wave of yes. of superhero yeah, films yeah, that yeah. we've seen in the the. You know, the mid-aughts on. Yeah, also, it's, it, it comes at the time when Marvel has released its stage one through three plan. So it brings the question, it begs the question, where does it lie with the stage one through three? For instance, it's, you know, uh, rumored Well, it's actually that, not part of yeah, their part stages of because it's Fox. Yeah. It's oh, not that's Fox. right. Which yeah. is why we have Colossus showing up as an X-Men. Yeah, yep. I was wondering about... Okay, great, great. Thank you very much for clearing that up. So, my question is... So Deadpool is going to be an R-rated film. Should we encourage more R-rated superhero movies because that's what we think is true true to the character? Or should we not because they are meant for all audiences and we should ask that these superheroes, regardless, be turned into PG-13, more audience-friendly versions of themselves? Because, I mean, I'll be honest, I read Deadpool when I was way too young to probably read (laughs) Deadpool. Uh, I read... Transmetropolitan when I was too young. Uh, yes, we both love Transmetropolitan. Every yes. time you say Transmet, I have a, a, a quiet little like orgasm. Yeah, yeah. No, I love Transmet, and I hope they never make a film because I know they're gonna fuck it up. Oh yeah. Well, no, fuck yeah. that. No, fuck that. While I'm alive, make a Transmet film. If you fuck it up, I'm. It's not going to like dissuade me from loving. Well, maybe the if uh, Grant Morrison was the one that wrote it. Yeah, yeah. If if they have Grant Morrison there, just helping out. No, maybe. only if it's done. Only if the person. Who, sorry, real quick rant. Only if the person who plays Spider Jerusalem is Sir Patrick Stewart <laughs> will I ever Holy accept. Shit. Yeah, try not to come in your pants right now Holy because that, shit, I cannot stand up right now. Oh my god. <laughs> I, Anyways, okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you don't need to know what I'm talking about. It's a ramblings of an old man. So. Um, so should we encourage more R-rated films, or should we encourage more PG-13 middle-of-the-road films for all audiences? For hero superheroes. For superheroes, yes, for superheroes. I think that it's... Per- I, I don't think that all superheroes have to be all ages. I think that the 
the the story should go where you feel it needs to because otherwise uh, I have not seen this yet but I hear Big Hero Six is an amazing animated superhero it film. It really is, yeah. yeah. And that probably would not have it would have been a very different film if it's like oh superheroes need to be edgy in PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. So just so just like I don't think that we should artificially make these things more violent, more edgy, however you want to define that to reach this marketing audience of PG-13. We shouldn't artificially dumb down films so that they make that, that marketing cutoff. I would say be careful what you wish for. You, you, your original question was, should we encourage? I don't think we should encourage. I think if a film needs to be rated R, make it rated R. Deadpool is one of those comics that probably needs to be rated R. But I can definitely see... Uh, it's kind of like when you give... Uh, imagine you're, you're you're a teacher and you you give your college students you say like make a PG uh, thirteen and they make a PG thirteen film and then you say make a film and do whatever the fuck you want. The next thing you get is you're not going to get a PG thirteen film. You're going to have NC seventeen people that that stereotypical uh, scene where the camera's aimed up at like a glass table and someone snorting blow with a bill. You're going to have it so excessively violent, sexualized because you gave them because you. Because they get to do something different. I think there are films just like, you know, Big Hero 6. It doesn't need to be PG-13. It is perfect as it was. I don't think X-Men needs to be rated R. I think P- I think in X-Men comics, the way they perceived, I think they've dealt with some dark stuff. But I don't need to see beyond the violence of what I've, I've already witnessed. Mm-hmm. But with The Punisher, it's he's a violent man and that's been a huge part of it. So I think you can get it, get some with some fancy editing to make it PG-13, but go balls to the wall. Have some fun with Rated R, but be careful. Just because you need something violent doesn't mean you need to have it overly sexualized, which I'm, I am slightly worried about with Deadpool. Mm. That it's going to be so, hey, let's make this the Rated R movie that we wanted, that it's going to be overly sexualized and overly violent. And I understand that's what Deadpool is, is about. I just, but I think you can go overboard. Yeah, I don't know about the sexuality. Yeah, the violence, yes. But well, Deadpool. Deadpool's always hitting on ladies, checking out tits, yeah, talking about butts. Yeah. I'm but just saying yeah. that I think rated R for violence. I think that makes sense for Deadpool, but keep it PG-13 for like the sexual. No, I, I think yes, no, that's what Deadpool is. I'm, no, yeah. hold on though. I'm the same way in the fact that yes, Deadpool is juvenile. Like machismo, that's fine. However, we're in a new era where we recognize the destructive elements of doing shit like doing constant tick, uh, tit takes and like commenting on a woman's ass in a film because of the larger implications in the audience that it reaches. I want to see a Deadpool film where it's about the, the murderous psychopath who has ADD, the merc with the mouth. And yeah, you can have zoom-ins on boobs and shit in like they did that in the video game. I didn't really like that in the video game, like because it it's be kind of a superfluous throwback to an era where that was okay. Guess what? We've learned that's not okay. We want Wonder Woman movies. We want Black Widow movies now. We want to treat that differently. Was that okay back then? Yeah, sure. Watch a movie from the 19 goddamn 50s sci-fi, and you'll see a lot of things that Watch make the you... movies from the 1980s. I mean, yeah, Revenge yeah. of the Nerds is so... <laughs> 
fuck? It's not even rapey. It's rape. Yeah. Like everything they do, it's like. So let me get this straight. You dressed up and act like a girl boyfriend and had sex with her without her. Name. While, while yes. Dressed at, yeah. Okay. And let me get this straight. You broke into these women and stole their panties. Yes. Okay. Yeah, let me get this straight. You installed cameras <laughs> and then you watched them uh, for a couple days. Yes. And then let me get this straight. You took those videos that you took of them, put them on plates, and sold them for and sold those plates for money in order to raise uh, without their permission. Yes. Oh my God! You're going to prison, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can we at least talk about even uh, the 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 gay man who is part of uh, uh, be- what was it? Beta, beta, beta. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, lambda, 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 lambda. Yeah. Oh, that's where math should be, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, during the during the uh, the athletic competition, that the super scientist nerdy guy who played the violin um, modified the javelin that the gay guy was going to throw. Due to his quote patented limp-wristed throwing style, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's a boy. scene in the fucking movie. Yep. So you don't have to go too far back in order to say like, oh, this was funny at the time. Kind of, I guess mm-hmm. we've come further than this and realized this. It was funny effect. to a certain group of people. Exactly. There have always been people that were like, ah, uh-uh, that's not okay, exactly. and but how- they, their voices weren't listened. And, to. and sometimes we we are always looking at through rose-tinted glasses. I fucking loved Deadpool when I was 12 and he commented on boobs all the time. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. And thinking back to all the comics, I would probably look back like, I loved every one of those. Those are A+. But if I actually read those comics again, there'd be it, it'd get to a point where it feels like High School of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Remember that anime where it's just like, guys, you have boobs and you have you know people fighting zombies. Mm-hmm. I like boobs, but come on. I really yeah. just want to see you I fighting mean, zombies, man. One of the good examples of this is we're talking about video games, Duke Nukem. Yeah. When, he, when he first came out, like... It, it was tits and ass and guns. That was the entire game. I loved it when I was 12. Yeah. Like, as you guys said. But now, like, the newer version, Duke Nukem Forever or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it Duke did. Nukem, yeah, yeah, apparently had terrible sales because people look at it as like, this was funny. Oh, it was not good. Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about. Okay, it was yeah. a shitty game. Don't and that's wrong, what I, I worry about Deadpool. I think Deadpool's hilarious and can be really smart, especially with, you know, he's the madman with the, the, the unflappable gums. Uh, but I think if it goes too juvenile, and I people say, well, it's... Uh, Deadpool is unable to go to juvenile. It's like, yeah, he can. And I just, I just worry that just be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to uh, go, go on. I was going to say this. The, my, my only closing argument on this is I am so fine with something being rated R, but that doesn't mean everything that makes it rated R. Like, uh, people say like, well, the reason this is rated R because there's a lot of tits. That's, doesn't mean that that rated, that they have a shitload of violence that makes it rated R. Just, just ask yourself what needs to be rated R for Deadpool. Yeah. I think the violence. Yes. Yeah, I would say, um, and, and again, like this is dear to my heart because I've always loved Deadpool, but we keep bringing up when we were younger. We keep bringing up when we were 12, when it was early 90s or the 80s. Um, I would, <laughs> look, yes, when we were 12, we loved Deadpool. When I was 12, I loved Duke Nukem. Uh, you know what? Rated R is not for 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. period. It is to imply a certain maturity to be able to handle stuff. And so if you're assuming that your audience is going to be 16 or 18 and over, then you should treat them like that, and you should not perpetuate some sort of pandering, like, misogyny in lo- or in conjunction with the violence that comes with Deadpool. Like, that's it. I honestly 100% do not believe that Ryan Reynolds would get involved with a production that would make his daughter uncomfortable. I believe he has a daughter. Um, make his daughter uncomfortable to watch. I think violence, 
as a society, we can deal with better than we can deal with sexuality. And I think that with Deadpool, it is a really poor vehicle or to address the, sexuality. Or the exploitation of sexuality. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Exactly. So, so I think that, um, I, 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 I think that yes, R-rated fucking things need to be R. I 100% believe that Frank Castle from Punisher needs to be R because it needs to be shown that he is not a superhero. He is arguably borderline just a psychopath with a reason. Yep. You know, the same way we have Dexter. No one's going to argue that Dexter's not R. Dexter is fucking R as hell. He's or a Shepherd. psycho. Or Shepard, yeah. Yep. He's a psycho with a reason. That doesn't make him a good guy. And that doesn't mean that uh, th- that that the sexuality needs to be uh, some sort of cheapened viewpoint of uh, or, or exploitive, as you said, uh, Billy. I, I, I just think that uh, I, I, I don't want to see the part of Deadpool that the 12-year-old me who knew dick all about the world liked. And Daniel, I'm sorry. I've been quiet because I'm waiting for all of you to shut up. Seriously, though. Uh, so two things. Yes. Old Deadpool. We keep referring to the Deadpool we all read when you were 12 and I was 16. Uh, <laughs> That you all read. I am distancing myself from this yeah, conversation. Um, and yeah, it's no. just like Katniss Everdeen. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah, to say it was pro- it was uh, problematic is is uh, an understatement. That said, I don't know how many of you have kept up with it. How many uh, of you have been reading more recent Deadpool? Oh, okay. A lot, yeah, a lot of that. A lot Touché. of that. Yeah, a lot of that isn't there anymore. A lot of the sexuality oh. and and that sort of juvenile sort of like oh, look at boobs kind of humor is basically gone. Uh, basically gone. But like do you think the Deadpool video game kind of oh, went back see, to that? Yeah, no, the Deadpool yeah. video game definitely went back to that. I think that speaks more to problems in the video game industry huh. than it speaks to Deadpool. And I just want to say the parallels between video game and video and movies. I'm I'm just worried that they are which very I get, thin. which I get. That said, I'm kind of with David in the sense that this particular Deadpool movie with this particular actor and the way it's being created, I'm not that worried. Could it happen? Yeah, I really hope it doesn't. But that said, everything I've seen in the trailers, um, there is, you know, there's some gross out humor. There's a shit ton of violence. I saw no samples of like, you know, like that sort of like juvenile sexual oh, humor. And the I had closest, the closest thing was, uh, hints of a sex scene between him and his wife before he became Deadpool, right. which was more of an example of like oh. him and his wife. Yeah. And hold on. I am 100%, per- I'm a straight man. I will watch any scene where Ryan Reynolds is in his underwear or less. Like, yes. that man is my goddamn spirit guide yeah. to the gym. I, I, Daniel, absolutely. I have high hopes for this. Yeah, so like I, I, said, I, so. I have high hopes for this movie. Yeah. Again, could it happen? Yeah, it, it, it could. I really hope it doesn't. And, yeah. I'm with you. and I'm with you on this that I would, if it does happen, yeah, I would be very uncomfortable and very disappointed. That said, not too worried about that. Good. De- Deadpool... Yeah. Over to the recent years, that that aspect of it has changed. Deadpool has become uh, a, a sort of more accepted part of the comics canon, as it were. Um, yeah, there's plenty of problems in comics that in and of themselves. That said, going to the original question, like should we encourage more movies to be R, or should we encourage more movies, you know, all superhero movies to be to be PG-13? I think that's very much giving the superhero genre a disservice. Hmm. Superheroes may have started again going back to the past. Yeah, they were you know these penny dreadfuls basically. You know, they're, yeah. they're, you know they're, they're these sort of stories for kids. Over the decades, th- there are still comic books, and again, 
Avengers. Avengers should be PG, PG-13. Yep. Uh, X-Men. X-Men should probably be PG, PG-13. Uh, take something like Deadpool. Deadpool should definitely be R. Mm-hmm. Take something like Watchmen. Watchmen actually probably should have been R. I don't remember if it was. I don't know if it was. Uh, it was. It was. I don't. God, I, I hope have, it was. Yeah. Let, let's look. Yeah. Look it up. I it think should, they had actually was. talked about. I think when I, somebody I brought that, that up, yeah, someone yeah. talked about yeah. it, them trying to make it PG thirteen, and the guy's like, "No, you can't do it." Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because because yeah because Watchmen was the, there were parts of it that were meant to be problematic, and and I remember reading an article re- recently about like you can judge. Uh, it was our good. Thank God. You, you you can judge somebody by whether they considered Rorschach to be a hero or or uh, somebody who's just really fucked up. Mm-hmm. If if you talk as somebody who's your favorite superhero and they tell you Rorschach, stay away from that yeah, person. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, wow. Yeah. Exactly. They, so I think so they cheapened him in the in the movie. Oh yeah. I think they made him more. They made him more sympathetic and yeah. one, uh, and he's not supposed to. He's not. Rorschach he's, is. He's nuts. Rorschach should disturb you. Yeah. Uh, uh, a yeah, lot of the shit that happens in Watchmen should disturb you. I that's, guarantee if if uh, I, I haven't seen the film, sorry, huge nerd. No, that's fine. Right. A lot of things. I'm, I'm going to say things happen in Watchmen. No, no, things happen in the comics. Yeah, in, yeah. I'm just saying that if uh, if I, I've read the, the comics, if Rorschach came across as anything other than a psycho with a reason, then that was corporate coming down on the writers and being like mm, nope that we, we like we've you've already got the r rating we need uh and, we need you to change and this. going back to, to transmit which again highly recommend yes. you yes. Transmet if you ever get a chance uh uh yeah that should definitely be an r-rated movie yeah. just because of the themes it touches and the way the way that it has to be that foul yeah. and <laughs> the protagonist not likable at all. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. point point is, it is giving you know forcing all superhero uh, and sort of comic book based stories to be PG or PG thirteen is doing the storytelling medium a disservice. It is possible to tell some really adult, uh, dark and or just simply uh, complex and thoughtful stories that sometimes need to be able to you know need to be able to t- to touch themes that will be R rated. Uh, it is possible to tell those stories using this sort of superhero and sort of comic book genre and sort of forcing or saying like, no, all comic book things should be dumbed down. I don't, I don't want to use that word, not dumbed down, but like sort of uh, move towards yeah, sanitized. There we go. That's a better word. Uh, to that PG-13 is definitely doing the medium a disservice. I, I, I will say this, though. I think because um, most... Most that we think of, uh, we could pretty much say, like, X-Men, PG-13. You don't need anything more. Uh, Punisher, you need at least an R rating. <laughs> at least you know, really. Yeah. But there's things I would say, like, um, let's say Batman. Batman is usually a PG-13. But Frank Miller's Batman Ooh, could oh, easily Jesus. get into an R. But I wouldn't actually say, like, I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. At this day and age, it's like so many kids would want to watch Batman. No matter what. You can't go and say like, I'm sorry, this is not, this is for an adult Batman. That's like me saying, hey kids, you know, Dora the Explorer. I'm sorry, you have to be 18 to see it. She shows her tits. <laughs> I mean, it's just like one of those things that's like kids are going to want to see Batman. No Wait, go, go on about this Dora. Uh, yes. uh, I want to say because my my I'm going to put my conspiracy theorist hat on uh, and Ooh. say that I first, love the tinfoil. Haha! It's it's the it it's your eyes. the yeah. latest it's the latest fashion. Um, that the uh, rating system for American films is Ooh. bullshit yeah. and haphazardly applied because like Billy, you just brought up Batman. 
Um, I haven't seen anything after um, the second one with the Joker. Dark Knight, yeah. Dark Knight. Um, there was no blood in that film. Yeah. That is a horrifically violent film. Oh, I, yeah. I know, I, I've got a thing about eyes, but Jesus Christ, the pencil? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. The yeah. pencil. And that movie is PG-13 because there's no blood. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. They wanted it to be a PG-13 movie so they could reach a larger market share. And so in order to get away with this horrific violence, oh, you just don't see any blood. That's that's fucking bullshit. And also, when you're talking about violence, look at the first X-Men. Wolverine never kills anyone he doesn't. with his claws. I remember watching the second X-Men and being and him pull and like pincing a guy pinching a guy uh, against a wall with all of his claws when the like SWAT team breaks yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And the dude next to me, like my friend Matt, uh uh, was just like, oh shit, yeah, those aren't for cutting, those aren't for cutting steak. <laughs> like, and he just kills a dude, and I was just like, oh holy fuck, they remembered who Wolverine was. <laughs> yeah, no, I will yeah. give you that. Wolverine got, which I loved why I loved the second movie. The first movie was great, but the only time he used his claws was he was literally fighting Sabretooth who could regenerate. Yeah. The th- second movie, he literally cut through an entire SWAT team. And they weren't even, like, they weren't even cutting away. It was, I am getting a close-up of your fist sinking into this guy's neck. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Absolutely. You know who, you know who rejuvenates, though? You know who's clear <laughs> and dear to our hearts? The person who has the real superpowers. I'm, of course, talking about, talking about presidential candidate D's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he just keeps on raising. Yep, just he's he's raising in the polls faster than you. It's rising, rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rising, raising. Raising is more official. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah, yes. Or unless you're talking about the movie Raising Arizona, back to Nick Cage. Boom. <laughs> uh, so Dee's nuts is running for president. Donald Trump is running for president. My question to you: With this current political landscape. Which fictional character would you like to run for this nation's highest office? Are we talking like somebody that we we, we would vote for, or someone that we like just want to laugh at? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So I'm going to say Tony Stark. Mm. I'm going to say Stark. Tony Stark, President Stark. Really? Yes, because I th- when people <gasps> voted for George W. <laughs> They said it's because a large part of his appeal was that it's a guy you could have a drink with, a beer with. That was the term, a beer with. I want a guy who I can have a fucking bender with. <laughs> I want a guy who's like, hey there, President. <laughs> hey there, President Stark. And then I want to wake up somewhere in Tijuana missing a liver. <laughs> so, But this guy, I mean, if we're going by Avenger 2, he not only created the most destructive supervillain in the universe, he tried to do it twice. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a man with a. You know what? If very full down. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a flip flopper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he literally does not care what Congress thinks. Oh god. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say, I would say either Tony Stark or Link from A Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, whoa, wow, that was the most honest response. That was like that was like a gremlin trying to escape from your esophagus. <laughs> That's what his uh, speech would be when he got. Duh. No, it would be no, it would be uh, it would most of his speech would be written by his uh, campaign manager. Hey, listen, <laughs> come on. I mean, like, how can you possibly ignore the man who has the Triforce of Wisdom power? And what was the third one? Uh, 
Nerds. He didn't have Courage. all those. Courage. No, but because it was split Gannon. between Gandalf, Ganon, Ganon, Ganon. If you're right, Ganon, uh, Princess Zelda, and Link. Yeah. All right. All right. And so it was about bringing them together. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Zelda for Vice President and Ganon for Secretary of State. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Love it. Oh man, I would love to see Ganon go up, <laughs> go over to other countries, mm-hmm. try to represent this country. That'd be amazing. I want Ganon to be Vice President, honestly. Not because I don't think Zelda would be great. I think she'd be fantastic. But I really want Congress to have a tie. And then them freaking out because Ganon kicking in the door and just crushing fucking nuts. Like D's what? Nuts? Yeah, D's nuts. Yeah, yeah just riding Ganon on his black horse. You know, kind of like Cheney, but if Cheney was like younger, More like what evening? You know? All right, all right. So that's my vote. It's either Tony Stark or Legend of Zelda character. So, since we're sticking with the, uh, since we're still in the Marvel universe, there was one character I think that is best exemplifies what this country. What this country needs as a leader, because our country, as we know, is in a slump, and we've got what these nuts and Trump. Mm-hmm. We need Doctor Doom. I knew you were going to say it. We I knew need you were going to get dark Dr. as Doom. fuck. It's not dark as fuck. He knows what. In Doom twenty ninety nine, he actually took over America, and he made it a better place. Not just Doom twenty ninety nine. If we're going with the current Secret War oh. storyline... Oh, he became God. Yes, he is right. effectively God, yeah. and he's not doing a bad yeah. job. I'm sorry, tell separation you. of church and state right there. <laughs> God cannot be president. No, no, sorry, sorry, this is a Christian country. No, I'm sorry, about. Huckabee. <laughs> That's not going to fly. <laughs> but yeah, Doom has certain issues, like all presidential candidates... <laughs> But in the end, he cares about making sure this country runs efficiently. He doesn't like any care. true leader. I wouldn't say he cares about this country. He cares about uh, the Latveria. world. So if no, he cares gonna... about Latveria. But yeah, that, yeah. okay. He, 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 take, he takes Too over. Sure. He takes over the world when the world fucks with Latveria. If we would just stop fucking with <laughs> Latveria, he would. He and his, his citizens love him. Yeah. He, he he makes the trains run on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the thing the thing about that with is the like, blood of the he fallen. He's so arrogant. Whatever. He doesn't have to like the idea of anything not working under his watch. So if he became president, he would make a hundred percent sure everything is working properly. He may kill a few people while yeah, doing yeah, it. He would fucking murder Congress. Yeah, but things would run on time, and God damn it, our economy would be. If you can hell. promise me, Doctor Doom will murder Congress, I am voting for it. <laughs> I can guarantee Doctor Doom will murder Congress. That's <laughs> <Ask> my vote. <laughs> Vote Doom, a lake of fire for Congress. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright. You so. know, it's not a bad choice, but I, I wor- wonder, I-, I worry about the moral implications of our society if that's where it went. But I, w- I, w- I cannot say, f- I-, I could not tell you that he would not have the fucking trains running on time. <laughs> I, are, I worry we would about be... the morals if, so that we have Trump as a viable candidate. That's so. true. I mean, we're already off the rails. Uh, I mean, at least we're, uh, at least with, uh, at least with Doctor Doom, it wouldn't be a racist. Uh, his his reasons why doing horrible things wouldn't be racist. It would be very logical. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. With Trump, it's just racism. Yes. I'm sure. fired. Anyone else? Because I have another candidate that I'd like to bring up. I got one. Okay. Okay. So I was first saying like, who do I want? Who I think best represents America? And I was going to say Captain America. I believe he deep down wants to do is what is right. The unfortunate thing is he's couple of decades behind the times mm-hmm. and with America with, with being the president your job first is trying to get make sure America comes out on top and then making sure the world comes out second you know make sure the world also is run because your 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 job is to take care of America if i'm babysitting a kids 
I want all the kids in the world to be safe, but you know who I'm making sure is going to be fucking safe and protected and fed? The kids I'm babysitting. So Captain America, I think, would lead too much of his heart. But if you don't want someone who not who doesn't worry about the world. So the person who I would trust is... Oh, what's his name? No! Oh, no. S.H.I.E.L.D. Coulson? No. Fury? No, Fury. Fury. Nick, Nick Fury. Fury. Because he cares about the world, but he understands shit needs to break sometimes. But he's not going to break it where he, uh, too much where uh, he's about to put snipers on the roof of everybody's house. I mean, he considers it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's factored into he's, the he budget. He considers it. It's factored in the budget. But he's willing to question if that's the right way but to which go. Question, which, which Fury? Is it Hasselhoff or Jackson? Hasselhoff was a fury? He was a fury. Okay, I'm sorry. Then the only one I know is Jackson. Jackson would absolutely, I think he'd be a a tough on crime, a little tough on uh, foreign policy, but I think overall he'd be willing to do mostly the right things, but still make sure that America and the world comes out on top. All right. No. And fuck, I would not go Colson, that guy. Fuck that guy. He's not even human. What do you got for us, Dan? I've... Here's the thing with, with Fury. You know Fury from the movies. I know Fury from the comic books. In the comic books, Fury is the man on the wall. He is. He sees the wall that separates Earth from the rest of the humanity. And his, it's his job to stand on that wall and keep humanity safe no matter the cost. Hey, that's and the, the same things, way with Trump. The things he, he does. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. The things he does as the man on the wall are horrible. The things Fury does, the secrets he knows. You know how this whole, uh, this new uh, female Thor thing is going on? You know what brought that about? Fury. When the heroes found out what Fury was doing, all the heroes in the world were like, holy shit, and went to kill him. And he single-handedly stood against all of them through simply what the, the shit he's done in the past and the things he knows. When Thor, who is effectively the Superman of the Marvel Universe, in terms of just raw, unstoppable power, comes up to Fury, grabs him by the neck, and goes like, this ends now, Fury gives him a chance to back down. <laughs> Fury, Fury tells him, let me go right now, and I, and I won't say what I need to say. And Thor, of course, being Thor, goes like, "Fuck you!" I will, no, 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 I will no, no. crush. It's more like that was fuck you. Yeah, the, fuck thou. <laughs> yeah. I will crush your puny human neck. And Nick Fury goes like, "Okay," leans in, whispers a few words. Thor's eyes open. Next scene, we see him. He can't pick up his hammer anymore. Oh wow! Yeah. So, point is, Nick, Nick Fury... Jesus is, Christ, talk Nick about Fury, the power of knowledge. Yeah. Nick Fury is history's greatest monster. That said, <laughs> that said, we're all very lucky. Yeah. He was the man on the wall as long as he, uh, he can. And the whole point of that plot is that he was looking for a successor. He oh, was wow. looking for yep. which of the heroes although, would be willing to do what it took to take him down because he needed to I will down. say I would he, vote for him. Although he did kill the Watcher. Spoiler yeah, work, which, was, which, was, which was part of what, yeah, what needed yeah, to be it's, done. It's pretty, it's pretty fucked up, though. All right, so... I, we still haven't heard Daniel's actual nominee. Oh, Dr. Oh. Charles Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Not Wait. born in America. Now, so, no, so Dr. Charles Israel from our game on Hello Metropolis yeah. that you play. Yep, Always yep. trust a scientist. Look, he right. may not be born in America, but you know what? 
All he needs to do is get some American DNA (laughs) inserted to himself, and he's as American as any of us. Um, Where's the birth certificate? That's easily forged. (laughs) Charles is real. That is easily forged. Okay. Angela? Ange. Uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking as you guys have, have blathered on about your, your candidates. Well, yep. we, we, we can blather. Oh, oh can we yeah. blather? Oh, I have, I, I have waxed philosophic things, madam. <laughs> and I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of bluster, a lot of, um, wanting, uh, to show strength, uh, uh to let's make America great. That sort of language. Um, I want someone who's a bit more of a team player, someone who uh, recognizes that multiple people can have uh, uh, very important contributions, maybe from <laughs> maybe from places that you wouldn't necessarily think. Maybe someone with a more untraditional background and will look damn good while doing it. L. Woods for president. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Leslie. Nope. Oh, Leslie Nope would have been good. But nope, Elle Woods, I'm going to stand you know by what? it. Can we just put them both on the ticket? Elle Woods, Elle- Leslie Nope, 2016? <laughs> Absolutely. That, so, that works for me. Would Nope? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's okay. And All right. Wow. You, you seem very passionate about this. Elle Woods for president. I, I was expecting you to say uh, the great trash heap. Personally, <laughs> but I think she would be a better director of uh, education. Yep. So yeah. Uh, so so Our remember, policies are garbage. <laughs> yeah, but she's got some real rats working for her. That's uh, true. That's true. But I just think it's a waste of time. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. Yeah, but she knows some people that can really get it. Do's are done. No, uh, well, I refuse to accept that. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Right, I'm going to haul you both out back. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like it. This, well let's done. Let's move on before we start recycling jokes. Jesus Christ, you guys. Okay. Can we please just keep our composure? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just dump this topic? Oh! <laughs> I would like to note that a pun war was nominated in this week's blog post. Um, we, we posted about a, a drinking game for Vandable, uh, and one of our intrepid fans, I forget who off the top of my head, nominated a, uh, a pun war as being, I think, a finish your drink yep. option. So, I'm sorry, listeners, but now you must finish your drink. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Finish your drink. Um, okay, so remember who you all said, because my follow-up question Uh-oh. is, what would their campaign slogans be? Oh, right. What would their campaign slogans be? Apparently, from learning about Nick Freire, he, he will say, there needs to be a wall. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a wall. I will, I will say this for, for my camp, for, for my candidate, Le, uh, Link from Legend of Zelda. It would be, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, the Constitution. <laughs> uh, the doom on your side. <laughs> Doom, you can believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you you think the world's gonna end? Make sure it ends on your terms. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Rules with maybe an iron fist, oh. literally. <laughs> <sighs> what would Charles, Doctor Charles Israel, of our unhallowed metropolis campaign? What? Seriously, that would be like Dr. Charles Israel, 2016. It's just a picture of him looking vaguely confused. What? <laughs> but it would freeze for him. They'd take him looking up, put in the two tone Obama colors. <laughs> what? And it would be on every bumper sticker of every handsome carriage in that goddamn, apparently not, steampunk universe. <laughs> 
It's Charles Israel, and I did not create this monster. <laughs> I said, oh, sure, I'll say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> this whole thing, he has no idea how this happened. <laughs> Marcus, what did you do? Exactly, oh seriously. How did he uh, get into America? What? Oh, Not God. just America, but as a front runner, apparently, yeah, uh, in the election. Marcus, Marcus would be the most res- reluctant of campaign managers. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, please. No, please. I'm not even from this country. <laughs> Neither of us are. <laughs> All right. Well, it's all mine. There right. needs to be a wall. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be a wall. Right on. Um, uh. <laughs> El Woods for president. What? Like it's hard? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> what? Like it's hard? <laughs> nice work. Nice. Nice work. Oh, Thank you, Daniel. You, you lovely, lovely people. All right, so um, I, th- this has gone on for, I think, oh. a very long time. Yeah, this is one of the longer ones. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for joining me, uh, and I want to thank all you listeners for uh, for listening in. Um, if you like what you hear, we'll put in a outro right here. Hey, Fanable fans. We hope you enjoyed this month's Geeky Topics Roundtable. If you enjoyed this as well as our other audio offerings, please consider giving to our Patreon campaign so we can continue making this doorway into our sykes. If your money is needed for less than unnecessary things like food, water, and shelter, we forgive you. Instead, consider talking about us on forums or give us some great reviews on iTunes so we can get more fans and grow this podcast into the amorphous energy of chaos it will hopefully become. Okay, thank you very much for listening. I am David. You can find me on Twitter at Distractionista. This is Angela. I'm on Twitter at Angela Craft. This is Billy, and you can find me on Twitter at The Mindful Fool. And this is Dan. You can find me on Twitter as at Katsushiro. You can find me on Twitter at Arvandis. And you can find us all on Twitter at Fandible. Mm-hmm. All right. So, on behalf of Angela, Billy, Daniel, Jesus, and the Fandible.com family, thank you very much for listening, and good. Bye. And we'd want to apologize to Kevin Smith. We're going to have to bump you to next Oh, week. shit, Kevin! Kevin, we'll get you to next time. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to go out for drinks for Kevin. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I guess, uh, I, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Kevin, I guess we'll get his answers uh, later. Night. <laughs>